are Locked On Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giants fans. Locked on Giants, part of the Locked on Podcast family, your team every day. Patricia Trainer here with you back after the bye week break. It is Monday, November 18th, coming to you a little later than anticipated. Just a lot of stuff to catch up on this first day back after taking a few days off. And gosh, I wish I could have taken a couple more days off after the type of season this team has had. The Giants 2-8 and eight at the bye, six more games to go. God only knows what's going to happen, folks, but um, any way you slice it, it's not going to be a winning season for the Giants and their fans, and uh, here we are again. I mean, I feel like this is deja vu, and we were talking about the same issues and topics last year, and, and here we are. We're talking about them again, so... Anyway, on this program, um, I'm going to have some thoughts for you about the bye week, where the Giants are, where they need to be. And, uh, you know, just going to get back on a regular schedule. And uh, and as part of that schedule, just we're going to have a Twitter Tuesday tomorrow. That is what is scheduled. So if I get enough questions, I will do Twitter Tuesday tomorrow. If I don't get enough questions, I'll probably move it to Thursday. Or, you know, if I get too many questions, maybe I'll do a Tuesday and Thursday. We'll just kind of leave it open. But um, we'll just kind of take it as it goes. And uh, I want to talk about where we left things off over at the bye before the bye week. Pat Shermer was asked before the bye week about potential coaching changes and giving up the play calling. And he basically dismissed both ideas. He said, and you know, I'm paraphrasing here that changing the staff at this point, really not, you know, what, what, what was it going to accomplish? I guess maybe because the season's lost and you might as well just finish it out. And uh, as far as play calling, he just, he, he said he wasn't giving that up, which, I, to this day, still think is a big mistake. I still think that Shermer has too much on his plate. We have seen evidence of that through some in-game management decisions, but I'm getting ahead of myself um, in just, you know, just a bit. Let's first talk about the coaching situation. Now, there are some positive performances from the coaches. You can point to... Tyke Tolbert, the receivers coach, and what he has done with Golden Tate, what he has done with Darius Slayton. Um, so he's he's definitely had a positive showing. The offensive line coach, Hal Hunter, I would say, given that that unit has kind of regressed a little bit, especially in terms of run blocking, if I'm Hal Hunter, I maybe don't get too comfortable this offseason about coming back. Defensively, I think you can say that uh, up front, Gary Emanuel has done a fairly decent job with the young talent. Dexter Lawrence is having a solid season. Um, Dalvin Tomlinson has woken up finally. So there's definitely uh, some progress to be made there. Swinging back to the offense, running backs, you know, Saquon Barkley is having an off season, but I chalk that up to the injury. Um, what I would like to see, actually, you know, while on the topic of running backs, is I and and 
Now, note to self here, because it's something I I might ask when uh, the next time uh, Craig Johnson, the running backs coach, speaks, but I would like to see maybe, you know, Daniel Jones working a little bit with Craig Johnson, especially with the ball security issues. I, I just think, you know, running backs are taught to put two hands on the ball, to protect it in traffic, and to hold the ball high and tight when they scramble. And what we've seen from Daniel Jones and, and his league-leading fumbles, just he's been too haphazard with that ball. He's kind of held it out and in the one hand and just made it so easy for defenders to slap that ball away. And I just wonder if, uh, you know, we and we don't see practice um, once past the 20-minute mark when the team does its warm-up. So I wonder if, you know, uh, Craig Johnson, who obviously, you know, the running backs coach teaches high and tight and protecting the ball with two hands in traffic. I wonder if he's had any dealings with Daniel Jones in that regard. I, at this point, folks, I don't see where it could hurt. I mean, you know, the fumbles cannot continue, especially when Jones is on the, on the run. Now, part of Jones's issues obviously are, um, you know, not having that clock in his head, that internal clock to feel the pass rush, that is part of the problem. But that's going to come with more reps. Uh, the scrambling part, that's just fundamentals, folks. And I'm just quite frankly surprised that they haven't, you know, I know they've talked about it. You know, Mike Shula has talked about it. Shermer has talked about it. Even Jones says, I know I have to put two hands on the ball. But you think back to, you know, years ago when Tiki Barber had fumbling issues and how he walked around the facility carrying that ball high and tight against his chest everywhere he went, did everything he could, you know, took it home with him, basically treated that ball like it was a, um, like it was a, a, a egg. Like if you think back to when you were in high school and you were taught, you know, you were, you were entrusted with an egg as part of a parenting class, you know, take care of the egg, don't drop it. Otherwise you're a bad parent. Um, that's kind of what they did with Tiki Barber back in the day. And I just wonder if perhaps that would help Daniel Jones moving forward, just having him do, take that ball everywhere he goes and just having people randomly come up and try and smack that ball out of his grasp. So, hey, listen, at this point, can it hurt? I mean, the fumbles are hurting a heck of a lot more. And I just don't think it can hurt any further, to be honest with you. So, um, yeah, so that's that's what I, 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 my thought on Daniel Jones and the fumbles. And just getting back to the coaching staff for a moment, um, the defensive backfield coach, Everett Withers, and uh, you know, we've seen DeAndre Baker struggle. We've seen uh, Julian Love take, you know, basically it's it's taken quite a bit for him to get into the lineup. And we still don't know if he's going to be in the lineup. And when you see two rookies like that not making that kind of a progress, I mean, at this point, we're in week 12 now. We're entering week 12 of the season. And these guys are still having issues with getting on the field and being consistent and whatnot. That makes me wonder what exactly, you know, how they're being taught. And if, you know, part of it obviously is on the player. They do have to study, but you really got to wonder. And I I just, you know, I, I just don't know what the answer is right there, to be honest with you. So we'll take a quick break. When we come back, I'll have some more thoughts about coaching, specifically about Shermer. 
And um, some other things that are on my mind after, you know, during this post-buy week, uh, week leading up to the next game. So stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. The Locked on Giants podcast is brought to you in part by BlueChew.com. Visit BlueChew.com and enter promo code LOCKEDON to receive your first shipment for only $5 shipping and handling. That's BlueChew.com. Welcome back, Giant fans, to Locked on Giants. Patricia Trainer here with you. It is a Monday, the first day back to work after the bye week for the Giants. Also a day back to work for me. I took a few days off, so happy to be back with you. And uh, for those of you who are still listening to the podcast, and I know you guys are, are disgusted with the way the season has, has gone and probably the less exposure you have to the Giants, the better. But I do appreciate those of you who continue to listen, to continue to write in with questions and, and feedback and whatnot. And I hope some of these sessions are at least therapeutic for you as they've been for me to talk some of this stuff out. So I mentioned before the break that I would have some more thoughts about Shermer. And there's no question that Shermer's seat has gotten to be blazing hot, and rightfully so. I mean, we look at some of, you know, the results, which, you know, bottom line, this is a results-oriented business, and they just haven't been there. There's also been some stubbornness on Shermer's part. A lot of a lot of what he did in Cleveland, he seems to be repeating here with the Giants, which to me is a big red flag because... If you're not learning from your mistakes, and Shermer, when he was hired, actually spoke about, you know, or was asked, I should say, what have you learned from your first time in, in, in Cleveland when, you know, that didn't work out? And he never really went back into, in, into details. I went back and I looked at the transcript and he was very generic with, you know, I've learned a few things and, but never really went into what he learned. You look at, the results and and you see the same things that kind of doomed him in Cleveland. You know the the questionable in game management, the um, you know calling his own plays, which doesn't really allow him to be that CEO type of head coach and manage you know the defense and the offense. And um, it it was kind of interesting for me because over the weekend, I had a conversation with a former uh, giant player who played for Tom Coughlin. And we were talking about the CEO style of head coach, which Coughlin was. And I won't tell you who the player is, but I asked that player, when Coughlin was the head coach, how often did he lean into the headset to overrule a call that was made by one of the coordinators or something that was suggested by one of the offensive assistants, for example? And it, was, it wasn't very often, but it was often enough to where Coughlin just had his finger on the pulse of what was going on on the sideline. And Shermer will sit there and tell us that he knows what's going on, that he has people supporting him with what's going on. But see, here's the problem I have with that. If he is relying on his assistance, he's relying on secondhand information. And I'm not saying that the information is necessarily faulty, but when you are a head coach and you have to make split decisions, you do not want to be relying on secondhand information. You want to be able to see what's going on and feel what's going on. And when you're calling the plays and you have to think two, three, four plays ahead as to what you're going to call, 
I just don't see how you could possibly have your finger on the pulse of what's going on on the sideline during the game. So what's going to be interesting for me moving forward after this season, I do think Coughlin, uh, I'm sorry, I do think Shermer will be back. I do think he will be back. But I think it will be with significant changes to his coaching staff and potentially to how he is doing his job. If I'm Dave Gettleman and John Mara and Steve Tisch, I kind of demand that he shake up that coaching staff. Because as I mentioned before, there are guys that you sit there and you wonder just what is going on? How are they teaching these guys? Are they getting the most out of the players that they possibly can? And the results, unfortunately, don't show it. The other thing, I tell Shermer, you give up the play calling. You hire an offensive coordinator if you don't trust Mike Shula to do it. Maybe make Mike Shula the the, uh, full-time quarterbacks coach. I don't know. Um, But hire an offensive coordinator that you feel comfortable with to call the plays and let that individual handle that aspect of the game. Be more of an overall manager. Continue, you know, doing what you're doing with Daniel Jones. Continue, you know, managing the team, but just work smarter as opposed to harder. And that's what I would tell Shermer if I were, you know, in in the management group advising or making the decision at the end of the year. I do think Shermer will get another opportunity. Um, You know, he's he's probably going to be able to use the Daniel Jones development as a crutch and as his main reason for coming back. And it's a valid reason, you know, if, if, if Shermer hadn't started Daniel Jones, I think at some point this year, he could have said, well, you know, he, he wouldn't have had that leverage. And I think he has that leverage now in, in you know, defending himself and, and his tenure with the team. But I'll tell you what, folks, if if he does come back, and if we get more of the same next year, He's gone after next year. I mean, Shermer, I believe, signed a five-year, I want to say it was a five-year contract. So next year would be year three of his tenure. If he doesn't turn it around by next year, assuming he comes back, and again, I do think he will come back. I'm not so sure that, you know, also factoring into this, I'm, I wonder if the Giants would part with him, you know, and have to pay him three years after, you know, just getting done paying McAdoo what was left on his contract. But um yeah, something's got to give with Shermer. He cannot keep continuing down the path that he is. And, uh, you know, he, the other thing is he's got to be more creative. We, we've talked about that and we'll talk about that a little bit more in the next segment, but just too much on the man's plate. And I know he says it's not, but look, the eyes don't lie and neither did the results. So we'll see if that's how they they work it out with him. At the end of the season, we have six weeks to go, and we'll see what the decisions are. Stay with us, Giant fans. I'll have some wrap-up thoughts in the set next segment. So uh, we'll be right back. Away creates thoughtful products designed to change how you see the world. For $20 off a suitcase, visit awaytravel.com slash locked on and use promo code locked on during checkout. Listening on the go? If you can't visit Away right now, you can find this and all other offers from the Locked On sponsors at LockedOnPodcasts.com slash offers. 
Welcome back, Giant fans, to segment three of Locked On Giants. Patricia Trainer here with you. And I'm just speaking from the heart, speaking off the cuff about where the Giants are, where they need to be, um, what might happen down the line. You know, I'd like to tell you guys and gals that there's a magic potion that's going to fix everything that cures this team. Um, I don't think they are going to, you know, tear everything down again and start over. I mean, at some point, you just got to have some patience, especially with, you know, all these young players that they brought in. And again, I, I in talking to the to the former giant over the weekend, we were talking about the state of the team. And he asked me what I thought about the direction they were headed. And I said, look, this is like a garden where they have planted a bunch of seeds. And we are, we see some of those seeds starting to sprout. But right now, we don't know if amongst those sprouts and seeds, we're going to see weeds or if we're going to see a beautiful garden. Now, based on the results so far, we've seen quite a bit of weeds, which would suggest that, you know, they need some work. They need a lot of work to be done. But, you know, a lot of those seeds and and sprouts are still kind of in their infancy. You know, you look at the young draft picks and the second year players. And, you know, I think you just continue. You, You keep supplementing and building and addressing your weak spots and just really see by week, you know, by year three of the Gettleman era, where are they as a team? Are they, is the arrow pointing up or, or exactly what's going on? So that's how I see that one. Now, I, I want to go back to the coaching for a moment. And the thing that bothers me most about Shermer is the inability to show creativity. Every year, when we see the practices in the springtime, during the OTAs, during training camp, we see a lot of intriguing looks. For example, Saquon Barkley split out wide or trip formations. By the time we get to the season, we don't see any of that. And for the life of me, I don't understand why that is. Is it because the defense is you know, showing that they're ready for that sort of stuff? Is it because of injuries? Is it because of performance? Is it because maybe in the in, in the spring, the summer, the Giants defense just wasn't as good as we thought it was and the Giants offense were able to run some of those plays? I don't know what the answer is, but I do know this. The Giants have become somewhat predictable on offense. And, and I've mentioned this before, that, you know, in the press box, Chris Biziano, Ed Valentine, and I, we sit, you know, relatively close to each other. And every time we see the I formation with with uh, Saquon Barkley lined up at the end and Eli Penny in front of him, we all sit there and before the ball is snapped, we say run up the middle. And sure enough, there is a run up the middle. So, if we can call that before the play is run, you don't think defensive coordinators and, and defensive players can't see that? Where is the creativity? How about some off-tackle runs? How about some outside runs? You know, I mean, maybe some of that is is because Barkley, you know, the ankle is just still not there. But as I've always said, if the guy is out there playing, you you can't use that as an excuse. You have to say, okay, you know, he's out there. And we're just going to try and run what we normally run. And if he's not healthy to where he can't run those plays, 
then maybe you lighten his load a little bit. Maybe you give Wayne Gallman a few more snaps. Maybe you get Buck Allen in there a few times. You know, I, I just don't understand what they are doing. And I think, you know, it hurts the offense. And, you know, the run blocking is not exempt from this issue. Let's let's make that clear. The run blocking has been very, I think, you know, it's struggle. Let's Let's call it for what it is. Uh, but my goodness, do something. There's got to be something you can do to uncork this thing. And I'm just not sure what it is. And I don't know that the coaches know what it is at this point, which is quite, you know, concerning because we see the same thing over and over and over. Okay, so with all that said, where do the Giants go from here? Six games left. Two against the Eagles, one against the Bears, one against the um, the the Packers, one against the Dolphins. Maybe if they're lucky, they get one win out of that. I don't think they're gonna they're gonna split that that last six games three and three. I'd, I'd be very surprised if that is the case. And even if they do, you know, they still have a losing record for the year. So where do the Giants need to go from here? For the rest of the season, one of the things I would do is, A, I would split Saquon Barkley's reps with Wayne Gallman. You know, every time Barkley is out there pounding on that ankle, okay, yes, I know he's healthy enough to be out there, but you can't tell me that that ankle is 100%. There's just no way that it is 100%. And my biggest concern with Barkley moving forward is is the pounding he keeps putting on it is going to lead to more problems that is going to necessitate off-season surgery, and that's going to set him back for next year. So if you're going to use Barkley as a decoy or as a pass blocker, maybe give some of those snaps to Wayne Gallman. Give him an opportunity to get out there and take some of the pounding off of, of Barkley's body. You know, this this guy is important for your offense moving forward. So it just doesn't make sense to run him into the ground, especially in a lost season. The offensive line, now on Monday, head coach Pat Shermer indicated that if his starting five guys from the beginning of the year are healthy, they will all play. I don't agree with that. See what you got or continue to see what you have in Nick Gates, who against the Jets played. Well, I mean, he he had a good game. He he didn't embarrass himself. Didn't um, didn't really struggle. So yeah, continue to see what you have in him. See what you have in this kid, Chad Slade, who you've been carrying all season long, but who hasn't gotten out there. Now again, I know it goes back to we play the best guys who give us a chance to win. Well, the best guys haven't given you much of a chance to win. So at this point. Is it maybe worth taking a look and seeing if you have something in Slade? You know, especially if you're looking at potentially replacing both offensive tackles in the offseason, which P.S. I don't believe they're going to do both. I think Mike Remmers will be replaced, but I have a gut feeling based on salary cap implications that Nate Solder will be back. Um, I, I just, I just don't understand the thinking here, guys. I mean... I know it's not preseason. I know they're trying to win games. Uh, At this point, you know, I'm not suggesting they tank because as you guys know, I'm very much against tanking. 
and just giving up and whatnot. But you have to, at some point, figure out everything you have going forward. And if not now, then when? So I just don't know what the coaches are, are planning to do. I, I would assume on defense, we'll see some of these young guys. Uh, whether or not we'll see any more changes on offense, I don't know. But, you know, it's just overall, I, I'm frustrated as you guys are. It's been a very disappointing season. After a while, it's like, how many different ways can you talk about why they lost or what they need to do or, or whatnot? I mean, I don't know what the answers are, short of basically scrapping everything and starting over. And you just we basically did that two years ago. So do you really want to do that again? Or do you want to just look at it with clear eyes and say, we have some things we can build on? And, you know, we don't need to tear it all down, but we need to make some adjustments to what we're doing. We'll find out, folks. I mean, I don't know what to tell you other than hang in there as best as you can and know that I appreciate you for tuning in and listening to the podcast and reading the articles on the on the Giants Maven and uh, the interactions with Twitter. Uh, we're all in this together because, you know, look, it's it's a frustrating thing for me. It's a frustrating thing for you guys who's, who spend money on the team, on tickets and whatnot. And here's hoping that down the line, things will get better and better fast. Thanks for listening. And I'll talk to you tomorrow. Don't forget Twitter Tuesday tomorrow. Have a great one.